ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. What's going on, everybody, and welcome. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay. And I'm the host of RizzoCast, the podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds around the game of baseball. Today's guest is Michael Sarhat, a right-handed pitcher at Point Loma Nazarene University, uh, a 2020 graduate of Sarah High School in San Mateo. Sarhat is a JUCO product from Skyline College in San Bruno, California before playing for the University of Nevada, Reno this past spring. He's well-traveled too, playing in Duluth, Minnesota for the Duluth Huskies of the Northwoods League in 2021 and 2022. This past summer, he pitched for the Anchorage Bucks in Alaska, way up there in Alaska. And now he's ready to embark on a new journey at Point Loma Nazarene in San Diego. We talk about his goals for the season, being a JUCO bandit, playing for summer teams, his scouting report on the mound, trying his hand at potentially being a two-way player, so much more coming up next on RizzoCast. This is episode number 150, and before we get started, I do want to uh, go ahead and send my condolences to the family of uh, Michael Urban, uh, who passed away uh, just a few weeks ago at the age of 55, way too young. Michael was a guest on this show not too long ago, um, formerly a writer for MLB.com covering the Oakland A's. Also on NBC Sports Bay Area, 95.7 The Game, KMBR. Just a really, really good person. And uh, we sent our condolences uh, who passed away uh, recently on his birthday, which is very unfortunate. So uh, without a further ado, this one's dedicated to Michael Urban. Uh, and let's get on with the episode. Here is Michael. All right. And we are back and ready to roll with Michael Sarhat. And Michael is nice enough to take some time and join the show. Michael, what's going on? How's it going? Doing good, Steve. I'm down in San Diego. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. And you know what? San Diego sounds like the most epic place to be this time of year. And I know that there's just like the hurricane scare. And actually, I want to ask about that. Were you there during that week or I guess weekend where there's the hurricane Hillary happening down there? I was. I got down a few days before. And uh, honestly, it felt kind of like like a COVID. Like a lot of people were stocking up on toilet paper. Um, people were not knowing what to expect. And there, it was obviously rainy and a little bit windy. I think LA got hit a little harder, but um, people were frantic. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's terrifying. And uh, really, really cool that you're in San Diego, though. Uh, tell us about, because you have a new school and we're, we're going to get into your career and kind of how you got there. But tell us a little bit about your new school and the new program that uh, you're, you're going to be joining this upcoming spring. I just transferred to Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. It's a D2. Um, they've won the conference championship the past two years. I'm a runner-up national champions in 2022. Um, the reason I chose Point Loma was I wanted to have a better relationship with Jesus um, and my faith, but then also to get to the warm weather. Um, I really liked what they had to say about pitching development, and it seems like the group of guys are really close in a group. And when you're going to to kind of a school with that kind of track record, uh, what are the expectations, I guess, for you? And I guess, you know, I don't want you to speak on behalf of your, your teammates, but for you and your team, what's the expectation for you personally? Do you have any personal goals that you're looking forward to this spring? 
Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to have a big role, a big impact on the team, um, come in and fill a big slot. Um, team wise, you know, we shoot. Coach said that, you know, we win and that's like, that's the normal and we, they expect us to be good, but that's not good enough for us. So really to come in here, make an impact, um, you know, try to become conference championships again or conference champions again, and then also ride that out into a good playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do want to kind of get into your, your career a little bit. How did you get into baseball? When, when was baseball kind of a sport that kind of stuck out for you? Was it very early on? Did you kind of get a hold of it later? When did you first start really enjoying baseball? So I did not play t-ball. Uh, my dad did not let me play t-ball. He didn't believe in it. Um, so I started playing in second grade and they had the old, I think it was coach at that time, but then the year after that was the old metal slingshot machine. So that's, that's the earliest thing I remember. But I think I played basketball growing up, wasn't allowed to play football, but I mean, basketball is pretty physical, a lot of elbows, a lot of knees. At some point I was just, I was tired of that. Um, but I, I fell in love with baseball at a young age. I think there's something magical about baseball. Um, there's something, there's some type of dream that I had at a young age and to be able to like see that out um, was cool for me. Fell in love yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a big guy. How tall are you? Six, six. Six, six. So basketball is never on the table for anything or was it, did you ever have thoughts? That, I'm sure a lot of people have, have told you, you know, you should play basketball. You're tall enough. Was that ever something that went through your mind? It definitely was. Um, I played a lot in middle school and I wanted to play in high school. And then when I went to Sarah, um, obviously a good sports school, I didn't even try out. I, I put all my, all my eggs into one basket and really focused on baseball. Yeah. And Sarah, definitely a, a powerhouse. I went to Reardon and we were not, we were powerhouse in basketball, but for baseball, we, we've seen better days. Um, I do want to ask about, you know, some of the teams that you grew up watching. Were you a big Giants fan growing up in the Bay Area? Was that was that a team that kind of you followed? Yeah, huge Giants fan. Huge Giants fan. Yeah, and during during those years, I mean, some success, right? In the in middle school and everything. So you got to see a lot of those championships firsthand growing up here. A lot of memories. A lot of memories, a lot of good. A lot of good memories. You know, you almost take it for granted having the Warriors, the Giants, even the Niners with some success when you're young like it was a good, good place to be growing up. Absolutely. And did, did you have any favorite players? Do you have anybody that you kind of model your game after uh, anybody that you watch that you enjoy? My dad's from Michigan. So I'm also a little bit of a Tigers fan. Um, so Miguel Cabrera, just a class act. I think he's probably one of the, the best players for baseball. Um, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I was a huge Steven Strasburg fan too. I hate to see the way his career ended. Um, yeah, I think I really liked Aaron Rowan growing up. I thought he was a great giant. Didn't really get to see a whole lot of him, but I thought he was a great giant. Andres Torres, um, obviously Buster, but, um, I don't know. I really liked watching Timmy too. Tim Lentz come. Yeah. Did, did, like you mentioned, uh, you brought up, uh, Miguel Cabrera and kind of the way he went about his business. Is there a way to kind of like make baseball fun while also being a top tier competitor at the same time? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, there's a lot of players that are, you know, great competitors and a lot of them have fun, but they're kind of labeled differently. Is there, is there ever a way to kind of combine both of them? And if so, how is that possible? That's an interesting thought. Honestly, it's kind of weird. Cause you kind of have to be 
the mold. You kind of have to be that cookie cutter baseball player with your own flair. And personally, I've had some of that flair in the past. And growing up, you kind of cut some of it out because you realize that maybe that isn't what's best. But playing with passion, I think playing with passion and energy like Miguel Cabrera versus some other players, I think there kind of is a, a, I wouldn't say a bold line. I'd say it's kind of a dotted line. But I mean, everyone has their own ideas on what they think is too much, you know, bat flips, uh, strikeout, struts, whatever you want to call it. So for me personally, if, you, if you're making it about yourself and you're making it about the game, or not about yourself, you're making it about your team, about the game, and you're just playing with that energy, I think um, I think there's a lot that's acceptable. Okay, you mentioned flair. Okay, so I'm going to ask, what was the flair that you kind of outgrew? Because I'm curious now. I don't know. I think personally, I, in the past, especially especially in junior college, I put myself before the team a little bit in some instances. And I think that was a huge growing moment for me uh, in realizing that it's far from what's important and far from what's beneficial uh, and what really matters. Um, I mean, you definitely see it on some teams in the big leagues nowadays, especially with the spotlight that they're in. But um, I think for me to learn that lesson at a young age or a few years ago is, is important to who I am now. To learn that lesson, is that something that you have to realize or is that something that's kind of called out to you by, you know, a coach or a mentor like, hey, man, your head doesn't seem like it's in the right spot? Or is it something that you kind of figured out on your own? I'd say it's definitely both. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of have your own perspective on it. But then when you have certain people that look out for you and um, create opportunities for you and they're giving you that feedback, I think it's, you know, you really understand what it, what the reality of the situation is. Absolutely. And uh, let's get into Juco baseball because on this podcast, I promote Juco baseball to the fullest extent. And you are a proud, I know you're a proud Juco bandit coming out of Sarah high school in San Francisco for those that are in San Mateo, for those that don't know, and then played at skyline college in San Bruno, which is where I went as well. What is the, uh, because a lot of people I have on, they went to JUCO and they speak very highly of the experience. What made JUCO kind of the right path for you coming out of high school? So honestly, leaving high school, I did not want to go to JUCO at all. Um, it was an afterthought. I wanted to go. I, I realized D1 baseball might not be the biggest reality for me out of high school. So I was like, I reached out to some D3s and that even fell through. So JUCO was my last shot last chance you um and honestly what makes juco so unique is that everyone is so hungry to get out everyone loves the game so much and is so hungry to develop and try to find that next opportunity there's not, not really any complacency um and i think having that that band of brothers that really wants to work every day like I look back on my JUCO days a lot. Um, whenever I have any breaks, I'm throwing at Skyline. I'm lifting at Skyline. I go see my Skyline coaches. Like, it means the world to me, that experience that I had there. And um, what that shaped me into now now and today is I'm eternally grateful for it. Wasn't, uh, you mentioned Last Chance U, wasn't uh, Laney College on Last Chance U? I'm trying to think of the Bay Area school that was on. Was City College maybe too, I think? I think City might have been. I, I remember Laney a few years back um yeah yeah no laney was on there uh, they they got to do more of that in the bay area highlight some of the bay area juco programs um <laughs> one of uh you know 
I, I was kind of going through uh, doing some research on you last night. And one of the things that always stands out whenever, um, you know, I, I look at your, your numbers, I guess, is the amount of places that you've played and you're a very well-traveled guy. You've kind of, you know, played different places in the summer. You've, you know, you had the whole experience at Reno um, sticking with the summer baseball now have playing in Duluth um, Duluth and, and also Alaska what was kind of the difference between those two experiences, Alaska and Duluth? Uh, and and tell us a little bit about what the summer ball experience is like, because those teams, I know that they take it pretty, pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, so Duluth, I played in the Northwoods League uh, with the Duluth Huskies for two years. Um, games start end of May and go through mid-August with playoffs after that. So it's a pretty long season. Um, they're infamous for the 72 games in 75 days. It's insane. And the travel is unreal. Um, it's nothing. It is nothing that I've seen before uh, that summer. I mean, I'm talking eight-hour bus rides to Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, we had a series where we left at like three in the morning, took a six-hour bus down to Waterloo, Iowa, played a noon game, stuff like wow. that. Um, super gritty. It was a lot of fun. I think the memories that I have from the Northwoods League, like enduring the Northwoods League but then also like meeting all the guys learning so much especially when I was I was a young Juco guy out there learning from a lot of big power five schools a lot of really good D2 NAI players um you know I developed new pitches you develop new workout habits uh eating habits um so that was big for me as a young player and then last year or this past summer in Alaska it was awesome I've always wanted to go there and to get the opportunity to go out and uh really experience something new. I've never been to Alaska and it's crazy when the sun goes down at 2 a.m. and, you know, you go to the field and it's probably raining, but then after it's going to be sunny so you can go fishing at 11 p.m. Like it was really, it was a crazy, crazy experience. That's insane. And, and um, also for those that don't know, and I'll link the story maybe in the description, I wrote a, a feature when I was a student at Skyline on Michael and a few of the other guys that were in Duluth. And you mentioned the experience with your roommates and your teammates and the people that you got to play with. Uh, and I think one of the things that I wrote about was you cooking bacon on the, in the kitchen with, with your, uh, with your roommates. So um, summer baseball, you mentioned the, the, the long schedule is, do you feel that summer baseball gets you connected with your teammates more than any other experience you've had in baseball? Yeah, I would, I would definitely, I stand by that hundred percent. Um, you know, those bus rides in the Northwoods and then you got three or four to a room and you're in some small motel, you're sharing a bed. Like I, <laughs> Ethan Hammerberg, uh, he was a closer at Ohio state a couple years ago. He got drafted by the white Sox. He's six, five, two I'm six, six. Like we were two big dudes sharing a bed in the middle of, you know, Iowa. Like, it was a crazy experience. Um, definitely get to know the guys pretty well. And then last year in Alaska, um, a lot of guys had host families, but a couple guys did not. So we ended up living at like a culinary school bunkhouse. So we lived in a bunkhouse. It was me and about four other guys and the media crew. And we had access to this big culinary school kitchen. And, you know, you're cooking with them, you're living with them, you're eating with them, you go to the field with them, you work out with them. Like, it is different. Like, you really get to know those guys for what they really are. And, um, you know, you miss those guys because they become a part of your daily life. Yeah, absolutely. And when I last talked to you, you were kind of a two-way guy, right? Pitching and hitting. Um, 
it seems like you're you're definitely leaning towards more of the pitching side and i'm sure the hitting side is kind of long lost at this point did you initially want to do two-way as much or as i guess as far as you possibly could take it yeah um Man, I fell in love with baseball because of hitting. I actually only have like two high school innings. So when I got to junior college, they they had me pitch a little bit too. But there's nothing like squaring up a baseball. That's probably one of the best feelings in the whole planet, whole world. Um, but yeah, I, I think about hitting a lot. They actually let me hit BP at the end of the summer. And that was a, that was an absolute joy. Uh, just brought me back. Yeah, it's it's is it weird being like a full-time PO now? You have those duties, that label. It is. You got a lot of free time. Um, got the pitcher only label. No, not an athlete. All that. I hear it all. So yeah, a little different. Yeah, that was that was me in high school. And I always see still to this day, I see the Instagram ads. Um, and it will be like a customized ad for a PO hoodie. I don't know if you've seen that hoodie, but it's like the definition PO, and then it's got like pitcher only and like hit you can't spell power without PO, all that <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, so we love POs. Um do you think like because like I'm gonna bring it back to like MLB right now? Shohei Otani is the best two way guy out there. Do you feel like he's kind of paved a way for other people who and you're not doing it anymore, but other two way players at the high school and, and college level? Definitely, I think he's shown that it's actually doable, and for him to be doing both at such an elite level is it is crazy. Um, you know, you, you saw the Giants. I think. The- past two first round picks have been two-way players that's right uh, so i think i think big league teams and scouts are actually noticing that that's a real possibility and that you don't have to be limited to one or the other that's right reggie crawford last year and bryce eldridge this year two two-way guys um should be interesting to see um have we run out of words to describe Shohei otani i feel like he's just kind of transformed everything he's like the best player that i've seen definitely maybe you too i mean have we run out of words to describe this guy yeah i mean it's honestly speechless like they just came out that he tore his partially tore his ucl and then as since then he has a ops of 1500 like (laughs) surreal surreal it's insane where do you think he's gonna go this offseason because i've spent a lot of time trying to figure out like what the figure the contract figures are gonna look like um we hear the west coast thing that he wants to stay on the west coast we hear about the dodgers so much you know and the mets where do you think that he's gonna end up i think there's three teams that really make sense and one of them i'm pretty biased but i think there's a good shot he ends up in san francisco um i think that the lack of moves at the deadline show that they're pretty interested in bringing a big piece like him in um but then also the mariners i think the the type of baseball they're playing now. And I think, especially since the angels aren't playing the best of baseball, I think he wants to win. And then that's a priority to him. Um, and then I think, honestly, there's a chance he goes to the Braves. Um, and if that was to happen, that would be, that'd be unstoppable. Yeah. It would be like the NBA. You'd pretty much just have to cancel the regular season and, you know, cause we know what would happen during the regular season, but um, he, yeah, he's an animal. He's insane. He's doing an unbelievable job. Um Back to pitching. Give me kind of a scouting report of you on the mound, like for for anybody and not giving away too much because I don't know what opponents are listening to this, but uh, giving away kind of like what you do, what's your style, what do you throw? Tell me about how you go about your business on the mound. So I throw, I have a good mix. Honestly, I've thrown like up to eight pitches and not all at once, but just wow. to have a kind of see what what's going well. Um, so I have a four seam and a sinker. Um, 
And then I have like a shorter slider. It's kind of like a gyro slider. Sometimes it's like a cutter. And then I developed a sweeper this summer. A couple of my Long Beach State teammates put me onto a sweeper. That's obviously new in baseball, the big sweeping slider. Um, I've thrown a curveball in the past. And then I'm throwing a circle changeup right now. And I'm working on like a Vulcan grip, more of a splitter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I like to like to throw a lot of pitches, keep hitters off balance. Um, I definitely like to work the sinker a lot, get it in on the righties, and then you have a lot to go off of if you get to two strikes with just your fastball. Yeah, and that sinker uh, circle change combination, because the circle chains, um, circle change has the two seam movement kind of running in, down and in against righties. Is that right? So do you like, what's your what's your out pitch? If you're, if you got, uh, got a guy 0-2, what are you doing? Are you going fastball up, fastball, you know, extended? Off speed, where are you heading 0-2? It's kind of situational. Um, definitely in that situation, I'm gonna try a fastball up if I don't think if I think he's late or if he's not if he's not accustomed to the fastball yet. If I don't think he can get to the fastball in, I'll definitely go sinker extended in and try to get an ugly swing, uh, maybe a whiff. Um and it depends on kind of how I got to two strikes. Like if I see he had a good take on a change up, probably won't go back to it. Probably start spinning stuff. And I like to double, triple stuff up. Um, because I feel like hitters don't expect a slider three times in a row. They're not going to expect a change up two times in a row. So I don't know. It's kind of like you kind of just it's a game. Like you try to keep them off balance, and I'm willing to throw any pitch in any count. Do you play MLB the show at all? Not this year, but I have in the past. Huge fan. So do you because I learned a lot about pitching from that game. Like that game, like like understanding the movements and what swings you could get and granted it's a video game it's maybe not too accurate but like i got obsessed with the idea of like breaking bats with what you just mentioned the sinker in so mm -hmm. what did has mlb the show helped you pitching at all like and some hitters use it for timing which i think is weird it's like that's <laughs> i don't know exactly how that works but the pitching thing i could totally get i think it definitely helps um sequencing like, especially when you're playing online against a real player, not just a computer, you yeah. kind of pick on their patterns, what they, what they're looking for. Um, and it even shows you their timing, like slightly late, very late. So, um, um, yeah, I think that is, I'd say it's definitely helped me a little bit, but for some guys, I think it's huge. Like you can learn a lot from a video game, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, no, it's absolutely wild. And now you're, going to school with with all that kind of advanced technology on the pitching side. And you said that that's something that kind of drew you into it. Um, have you gotten a chance to work with all of that stuff with TrackMan and Rapsodo and some of those new pitching uh, technological advances? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I had TrackMan out in the woods, in the Northwoods. And then the past year at Nevada, we had it as well. Um, I've thrown a lot of bullpens through Rapsodo. And it is cool because... I like it to make in like during the bullpen, you can make adjustments really quick, just with small grip changes, release point changes. Um, and you obviously see the numbers, it's instant feedback. Um, and I'm excited because this weekend we're actually throwing a bullpen at the biomechanics lab. Um, so to fully see how my body works, what the pitches look like coming out of hand, um, slight pitch grip modifications with the edutronic cameras. Like I, I kind of geek out over it, honestly. Yeah, I'm going to actually follow up with you on that because I want to see how that goes because that's pretty pretty cool that you're doing it in the biomechanic lab. Um, one thing I do want to ask is, you know, because baseball, it seems like there's new audiences coming in and there's a lot of numbers that are being thrown around. 
Do you like the number side of baseball? And I guess it correlates with some of that pitching technology that you're using. Uh, do you understand like the spin rate and what is a good spin rate in the vertical, you know, the vertical drop and the horizontal drop? Uh, do you like the, the more numbers, the better, or is it kind of like, you know, I need to know only a few things and that's all I'm going to learn. So are you kind of old school or new school in that way? I would say I'm more old school, but I, I like integrating it in. Um, hmm. So it is good to see the feedback on what your stuff really is, but um, I'm big on executing pitches and, and sticking to a game plan and competing. I think that's, that has a lot of value and I don't want that to be lost in this new generation of baseball. Um, so I do want to be a coach after my playing career and to balance those two, I think is important because I think a lot of people get lost in the numbers, but then a lot of people are ignorant of what those numbers could bring to development. Um, what's, yeah. What's, what's the best piece of advice that you've, you've heard from, you know, I guess on a baseball field, that's kind of a random one, but just came to mind. Um. I'd say pitching wise, it's pretty, it's, it makes a lot of sense, but getting to two strikes within three pitches is like huge to success. That's mm -hmm. like, that's one of the standards I've set for myself now. Um, I think getting out of your own head and allowing yourself to compete. Um, I've seen a lot of my performance, both sides of that, where you're in your head and it's just, it's hard to get past yourself. But then when you get out of your head, like it's a crazy feeling. Like there were a couple of times this summer where, I was so prepared and so locked in that I was, I was throwing pitches and I get a whiff and I'd sing a song. Like I would just be singing a song on the mound. And it's just like the prep. I think if you prepare your hardest, you will be hundred percent confident in your ability. And that's how I, that's how I find comfort at least. Yeah. It's like that uh, Keanu Reeves movie, hardball where the kids dancing on the, on the, that's an underrated baseball movie, by the way. Um, yeah. That, that's something that I'm actually going to have to go back and watch. Um, what is the one thing about baseball that you just despise? And I, this is a weird question because, you know, obviously you're somebody that likes the game, but is there, a, is there a part of baseball and I guess major league baseball too, like you're watching on TV, is there anything that you just can't stand about the game? I don't think so. Honestly, I love all of it. Um, I'd say if there was anything, I'd say the new shift rule. I think that's, hmm. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think you have nine players, you get to put them wherever you want on the field and you hit it where they ain't. I think that's, I mean, maybe I am more old school than I thought, but um, I do understand it a little bit. I do. I actually resisted the pitch clock when they added it. And now I'm a huge fan. I think personally for me, um, you know, we had the pitch calm last year or we had the pitch clock last year and we had pitch calm bracelets. And I felt like the pace of play of the games were immaculate. I felt that it was, it was going by quickly. Um, the time in between the innings is a lot less. So I, I feel for like for the audience, I feel like it's a lot better to pay attention. However, there's been multiple times where I'm at a Giants game and I go to get food in the third or fourth inning and then I come back and it's like the fifth or sixth inning. So for me personally, I don't mind if the games are three and a half, four hours long. Like I love it, but I get it for the average fan and especially if you're trying to expand the audience. Yeah. What were you getting? What were you in line for? <laughs> what food? So... Before I came down to San Diego, um, I just started trying the, uh, what was it? The chicken nachos, the cha-cha chicken nachos. Yeah, that's uh, good down there, huh? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So are you going to hit up like more Padre games now that you're down there? I guess, you know, when in, in your free time, which might not be a lot of time, but uh, San Diego, obviously a team with a lot of stars. They might not be playing well this year, but 
they got some names and it's a beautiful ballpark definitely um giants come to town this weekend i'm trying to get to at least games hopefully one at least um but yeah i told my dad before i got down here i said i'm a giants fan but i'm a padre supporter you know if i'm living in san diego and i'm going to pet all the time like i'm gonna have to be a padre supporter yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that at all i think Giants fans, for the most part, you know, as much as the National League West and it's in the division, I think the only taboo rooting interest would be the Dodgers. I don't think Giants fans really just even the A's, you know, I think there's a lot of Giants and A's fans. So I don't think you have an issue with with hitting up a few Padres games or getting a Padres hat or something like that. Um, I'm going to do a few rapid fire here before we wrap up. Um, first, and you don't have to answer this rapid fire. It could just be, you know, any answer. What's your favorite movie? That's loaded. You know, I just had to answer this for a class. And honestly, I have I have a different answer depending on the day. But I think Shawshank Redemption's up there. I know that's probably pretty cliche. Um, Sandlot's a classic. Hard to go away from Sandlot. I think I, if that's on TV, like I'm definitely watching. No questions asked. And then lastly, I'd definitely say the Harry Potter series. I think that's a that's a timeless collection. Nice. And what about TV? You streaming anything? You watch? You binging anything? What's going on there? I uh, in Alaska, I started Breaking Bad, and I got hooked. Uh, I got hooked. Show. I actually yeah. just it, it is yeah, it's an elite show, and I just finished Better Call Saul, and I think Better Call Saul might have even been better than Breaking Bad. Um, I don't know if that's a that's a hot opinion, but the two great shows. They're no, they're they're both very well done. Like every every episode just has so much, so much involved in it. And uh, did you see El Camino too, the movie on on Netflix? I did. So I watched Breaking Bad and then El Camino and then Better Call Saul, and I thought that was the best order to do it. Yeah, that's got to be the order. But um, yeah, there's so many like Breaking Bad, like like we have somebody here at SF State, Jesse, and I always think to myself, Jesse. I always hear Walter White's voice in the background, but Heisenberg is a legend. Um, yeah, great, great choice there. Uh, next question. If you weren't a baseball player, and you also said that you wanted to coach, so I'll exclude that. If you weren't a baseball player or a coach, what would you be? Golfer. Okay. I see the loophole there. Nice little side hobby. Um, if I have a recovery day, I'm probably out on the golf course getting some swings in. Um it's just a great time to get away from technology, get away from your worries, get out on the golf course, get some sun in. Um, it's awesome. I actually played a couple of rounds in San Diego last week, uh, Balboa and Mission Trails. Two good, two nice courses so far. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a golf course down there by uh, Balboa. That's pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. Okay, next question. Electric chair. You're in the electric chair. What's your final meal? I just thought about this last week. Um, so I would get a Cane's Caniac combo. Are you allowed to do multiple? Is there like, is this like a three course meal or is it like a one plate? I, do anything you want. Okay. Cause I'll, right. I, I'm so if it's me doing the one that's clicking the button or whatever, I'll let you have anything. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. I would go two, three by threes from in and out a Caniac combo. Um, I'd say some of my mom's spaghetti and then definitely some tri-tip i think i got all the boxes covered there sounds like a, a good a good holiday with that spaghetti on the holidays so pretty clutch um 
final one here, dream vacation, anywhere in the world that you could go. And again, I appreciate that you're a well-traveled dude, been, you know, played baseball in a lot of different places. Uh, where would you go if you had a dream vacation spot to pick from? Um, it's on my bucket list to backpack all over Europe. So it's not a select destination, but, um, being able to do that would be, would be something crazy. I think I got a lot, a lot of stuff planned out for my life, but at some point in my life, I need to set aside some time, set aside some money, head out there, kind of just explore, you know, bring a few things, bring a few pairs of clothes, a couple pairs of boots and just go explore. I thought you were going to drop a Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> no. My fair share of Duluth in the past uh, past few years. Yeah, too much of Duluth. We appreciate them. Uh, Michael, dude, this is awesome. I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad that we could get this done. Uh, it was such a blast. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. And best of luck to you moving forward. I'll definitely be keeping up and I'll be promoting you at any second that I could. <laughs> right on, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And everybody, if, if they want to be bold enough, go follow Michael on Twitter at M-S-A-R-H-A-T-T. Go check him out. He is a Juco bandit, very proud Juco bandit. And we're looking forward to seeing what he could do on the mound. Maybe some at-bats, possibly, too. I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully your coach is listening and, and he understands that I have seen him hit an opposite field homer at Skyline. And I saw the bat drop, too. So. <laughs> Just that that's on record. I saw it happen. Uh, probably north of 100 off the bat. You know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, and then everybody, of course, can check out the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening. More stuff coming up soon. And see you next time.